1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff to talk about, as I always say. Mark Strauss, TV guy on the radio, is here, as he is every Tuesday. Uh, I played your interview from a couple weeks ago. Uh, last week while I was out as part of the best of. I think it aired on Wednesday. Uh, people were very happy to hear Mark Strauss on Wednesday. <laughs> what were we talking about? I, I don't remember. I, I, I edited that so quickly. Uh, they were asking me, I think, that morning what I was going to talk about in the afternoon, and I, I don't even remember. But hopefully it was good, but we're back. We're live. We're doing this again. Vacation over. I, I want to start here. This is a sillier place to start, Strauss, but I, I do. I really like this. This is a woman who's going viral, I think, on all the social media, but maybe mostly on, on Twitter. Um, for uh, this rant she gives, about a 40-second rant, about how all of a sudden coronavirus is back in the news and being talked about a lot. And uh, you even heard in our own news, there's discussions about vaccines, all kinds of stuff. Here is this woman's take on all of this. Oh, they got all of us all the way on up is what's going on. We don't give a about no new COVID strain, United States government. Uh-huh, we don't give a about you ass still got to get on out. You still got to pack your bags and get out. If I got to come to the White House and move you out myself, you still got to get on out. Point blank, period. We don't give about no new COVID strain. I was just thinking the other day, I hadn't heard Nathan about COVID. And then, boom! Here come a new COVID Whoa. strain. We know that this is for the elections. We already know. We're not, we not dumb no more. Because you still gonna get the out back. <laughs> Bye, uh, that is a black woman uh, that has gone viral on social media for her take on the coronavirus and the coronavirus vaccines and all that. Uh, how do you want to respond to that, Mark? Well, I, I think a lot of people are thinking the same way while they may not enunciate it. The, the same way. way. You know, the way that sure. this woman did. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you and I were just talking off the air that there seems to be this hint that they're going to push COVID again. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch how everyone reacts this time because we all know a lot more than we did before. Well, and I don't think people feel that what was done helped anything. In fact, yeah. it was very harmful, especially to kids who lost their ability to learn in class yeah. and lost something of a social nature. Well, let me let me say it uh, this way, and I want to say this exactly this way on purpose. And anyone that thinks I'm being a little bit overly nice or weak in this moment, I apologize. This is how I'm going to do it. Um, last year, you had the conversations about how seasons change. Maybe there's an uptick in COVID cases or whatever they told us. And there was no panic. There were no uh, new right. vaccines that were demanded or, or pushed quite as hard. None of this happened a year ago. And any information I've actually read about any of the newest strands of COVID is they're all um, very similar to the strand, not that they're the same, but very similar to the ones you had last year, which were offshoots of Omicron or whatever the thing was called then, which are not causing any more severe illness. Not, there's nothing new in any of this. Well, you it's know, a very CNN repeatable, doesn't have the death counters up. No, they don't. None of that's happening. So it's a very repeatable scenario to last. So anyone who says you're dismissing it totally out of hand, you're not even at all paying attention, I don't want anyone to think that. I, I went in, I looked, I, I see what I see. And I don't know why it seems, other than what you and I are saying, that the narrative is going to be so significantly different and that maybe media will talk about this quite a bit more outside of the fact that it's now election season. Yeah, no, uh, I think you're right about that. And I think uh, you have expressed that very well. Thank you. I think think what you've done is very basic. You have taken last year Uh and you have illustrated what was told to us last year and that 
nothing special happened. No. And now nothing got what shut down. What you're telling your listeners is watch what they do now. And be weary of what they could do now. Yes. And remember what last year was like. Right. So when they were telling us there were new variants right. and the new variants and weren't I think, actually of I think tremendous that's what people concern. are going to do is they're going to yeah. do what you did and they're going to uh, they're going to uh, they're going to lean on their own experience and yeah. say, eh, you know, yeah, well, look, I, I might get the flu. I'll take care of yeah. myself. I'll, I've gotten through it so far. I'm going to go so far to not tell you, the listener, what to do with your own, you know, medical decisions. You can sure. make whatever decisions you well, want. That's but exactly I, right. I, I will say this: last year, when they told us to get the vaccine, and Biden sat, I think, on some, you know, platform somewhere and had the shot jammed into his arm. Uh, everybody didn't do it. Uh, many Americans did not go get those booster shots, and we didn't have a horrible right. outbreak of cases. Well, I remember. So again, if that's similar too, it, it won't be that shocking. I think the year before that, mm-hmm. at Christmas time, President Biden said that we were going to, for those of 2021 us who, Christmas? who were not vaccinated that we were going to have a winter of illness and death. Yes. It and was, that didn't happen. No, it didn't. Uh, it was going to be the pandemic of the unvaccinated. Was And there's more and more data coming out that says that uh, some people that are vaccinated are more likely to have more. Yeah. I, and like, I'm not saying I know any of this. I'm not saying that use anything I say. Use well, I mean, you just, just refer them to people, but people like Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. Mm-hmm. Peter McCullough sure. and Dr. Uh, uh, Corey and uh, Bhattacharya and all of these or, doctors yeah. who are at the top of their profession who are saying that yeah. or just your own doctor I, I if you have a sure. doctor you've had your whole life that you trust a lot have a chat an honest chat with that person and then move on yeah. in whatever way you want to i want to play something else for you moving on to, to something uh, different our president yet again was in a position where he was speaking after going to a horrific thing that happened uh this is of course in maui where they're still looking for people there are still people uh, missing and i heard in markley van camp and robbins show today that there might be a lot of kids within the group of, of individuals still missing, which is horrific. It's horrible what's going on. Um, and obviously there's not many things you or I or anyone would say to make f- people feel better. And yet our president continues to try to say he gets it more or less with this story he's been telling, which has been challenged, is not accurate the way in which he describes it. But more importantly than that, even if it was identical uh, in, in truth to the way that he talks about it, it wouldn't make anyone feel better because it, it is nothing uh, to compare to what's going on right now in Hawaii. Here we go. I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday. And lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not on a lake, a big pond, and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short... Too late. I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette. (laughs) The one that had hidden documents in it? The cat. But all kidding aside... Okay, first, a lot of pauses, Mark. He, he mentioned the car before the pet. I noticed he mentioned the car. And also, also, he said, all kidding aside, I don't see where the joke was in that situation where he said, I almost lost my wife, my Corvette, and my cat. That's a crutch line for him. He uses that all the time. All kidding aside. Yeah. Um, but anyway. The, and the other one is, I'm not joking. Right. The, the thing that's crazy about this, and there's even another like 20 seconds of audio to play, is how ridiculously disconnected you have to be to stand in front of people after surveying the damage yeah. in Hawaii 
and still tell this story that you've told at other natural disasters over the last couple years and been challenged. He told it in Florida. He's been telling it a bunch of times and been challenged on the accuracy of it and also the relevance of it to the people he's talking to. You know, we've seen past presidents uh, go to the site of disasters before. And this is just my opinion, but the scenes that I've found to be uh, the most, I don't know what word to use, acceptable, proper, appropriate, is when the president doesn't use the location for a, a rally or whatever this is, mm-hmm. but he just one-on-ones with victims, families, and the people in that area, and then later, after he has personally, you know, put his arm around the shoulders of someone who lost their home or whatever, and and, and we've seen presidents do this before from both parties. Sure. But you don't get up on a stage... And give a speech about yourself. And give a speech, yes, especially about yourself. That's not appropriate. Yeah. The appropriate thing is, uh, you know, you, you, you see what you need to see, but you meet the people. He's not there meeting the people. He's yeah. there to make an appearance. You're right. The most authentic and way. And yes, other presidents have done what he's doing, too, and mm-hmm. it, it doesn't work. Yeah. The most authentic, the most human way to handle something like this, especially as someone in a position of power well, like being of all, the president go, of our country. First of all, you go right away. Yeah, you go right away. And you do what you said. You interact with and, and communicate with people one-on-one as much as you can. And then maybe you don't give any speech at all. Uh, you full-on leave, and then maybe you talk about it later well, you, you in know some what? other sense. I recall past presidents going, like you said, and they don't give a speech. Mm-hmm. And the people that the media talk to are the people in the town. Sure. What did the president tell you? Sure. And then they relate that experience yeah. And that's that's the more human way to do it. You know, it's interesting because I do also have audio of a person that was interviewed after uh, Biden spoke. And she said this to media about her feelings on the communication or actually specifically on building things back better. She actually took some offense to that. And then, you know, as far as um, building uh, a better community or better homes than what we have, I unfortunately didn't like that. Um, <laughs> didn't because, like it. Only because... Um, she is very sweet, by the way, in that way in which she's uh, phrasing this. I unfortunately didn't like it. Like for our Kapuna and the Lahaina family and for a lot of people that had lost what they had lost, um, there's no replacing that. There's no better. There's no new. There's no better than that. Yeah, it's, a, it's a talking point. It's a build back better thing. Well, it's, it's more than that. Okay, go ahead. Uh, it's, it's government telling you how to live your life. They want you in these smart cities. That's the infrastructure they want to put there in Lahaina and Maui. They want these smart cities where, for example, you live in a building. The building has 600 units. The building has office space. The building has a grocery store. You never have to leave the building. That's, they call it a smart city, but in a previous life, those were camps. Or I'm jail. Not, I, no, I know, yeah, I know, I understand kidding. what you're saying. And, but that's, when you hear the words yeah. smart, smart city, city, 
smart building. That's that's an alarm going off. Yeah. Well, that was that whole conversation about how they want to put uh, people into uh, old malls, right? And then the mall would have everything, all the different yeah. things you just described. And then we don't want you going on vacation. Yeah, and we don't want We don't want you, you know, touring the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. We yeah. just want you here because... There's too many of you, and we need to control you. Yeah, I don't know. I think that this uh, lady that's gone viral she, uh, would have she, some feelings about those ideas, too. Yeah. She would say a lot of stuff. But I we think, already know. We're not, we not dumb no more. No, we ain't. Because <laughs> you still won't get the out back. I like her bye there yeah. at the end. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I think that you should pull, you know, like Markley Van Camp and Robbins will pull little clips from people yeah. and then use them as... yeah. When she says we're not dumb we're anymore, not dumb anymore. <laughs> you should you should keep that. Sure. So you can play that after some of these Every other time? sound bites, yeah. like when Corinne uh, Jean Pierre says something that you play, <laughs> and then you can follow it with, <laughs> "We're not dumb anymore." Yeah. yeah, I like that. That's a good idea. I think we'll that do that. Work really well. Cool. We'll save it. All right. We'll take a break. We got a lot more to talk about. We are going to go beyond just uh, Biden and beyond just thank uh, God COVID and everything else in the world. I might even have some baseball oh, uh, questions for you. But yeah. a quick break. A lot more. Both of our teams are sad. That's it's all right. Terrible. It happens. It does. All right, quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff, as I always say, to talk about. And thrilled to have uh, Mark Strauss, TV guy on the radio, hanging out for my first show back after vacation. Thank you to everybody texting, uh, saying it's nice to hear me. Uh, 309-340-4464 is the number to text, 309-340-4464. The Republican debate is tomorrow night, and Trump will not be a part of it. And that means that a whole lot of people will not watch it, I think, in my opinion, in your opinion. Um, I still will find it somewhat interesting. I'll still tune in for it. I saw I think Trump's campaign is calling it the vice presidential debate, which is that's funny. Um, but here's the real thing I want to say. Tucker Carlson has been doing these really interesting sit down conversations. And there's one that's out today that people should check out or out, I think, last night uh, where he sits down with a colonel, Colonel McGregor, a Douglas McGregor. And I'll play a little bit of that audio uh, maybe after the, the news break. And we'll talk about that, Mark. Uh, but he'll be sitting down with Trump. And they'll be airing that or playing that on Twitter at the exact same time the Republican debate is going on. Well, the great part about that is that if you aren't able to watch it while it's going on, it's it's going to live on Twitter and it's going to live on Rumble. Yes, it'll live. I on- watched I watched the Douglas McGregor interview. I think we I, w- I watched it earlier today, and that was on Rumble, mm-hmm. which is the it's 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 like YouTube. It's just a different platform owned by different people sure. with different adge- objectives right. i would say where, where your material won't get taken down or right. censored it won't be censored but the it's, same way. it's it's grown it's grown quickly yeah and exponentially yeah well and i know that tucker carlson is talking about or i think that i've heard there are talk there is talk about some platform of his own at some point that he would be on and put more stuff on but for now it's it's twitter and rumble by and the other way places. uh elon musk does not pay tucker Anything. Tucker doesn't work for anybody. Right. Uh, Tucker has said he's not paid by Elon Musk. He does get money now, I imagine, because um, Twitter changed, not directly from like Elon. No. But Twitter changed the way that it compensates influential and high-value accounts and accounts that get a lot of views and a lot of traffic. So he's, he's probably now finally making some amount of money, but it's probably not enough for him to, you know, do that. I, I imagine at some point he'll have his own platform. My guess that no matter where Tucker puts his material, yeah. it's going to get a lot of views. Sure. Uh, it's It's been true so far of what's going on on Twitter. And again, we'll play some of this uh, Colonel uh, Douglas McGregor chat. They're talking about Ukraine and how McGregor is saying it's 
it's out of control and there's reasons why the United States needs to, to make very different decisions well, than the ones they're making. He also says, and this is what struck me, and this is why people need to watch this interview, that everything we are being told about the Ukraine-Russia war is a lie. That it's totally the opposite of the way it's being portrayed by our mainstream media, and that it's a disaster for Ukraine. Yeah. And that he actually said that Ukraine has lost 400,000 soldiers, and he has no idea how many are wounded or maimed. Yeah, uh, the thing that you're referencing there, and the thing that is in the audio that we'll play after the break, too, is, is just how... Um, difficult the conflict has been for Ukraine, uh, how much, how significant, how, how, you know, much damage has occurred throughout the totality of the country. That's the thing that's not being talked about in the United States uh, anywhere near as much as it probably should be. And again, that's part of the reason why he eventually has the position of, of changing um, how we're supporting or stopping supporting uh, certain things about that conflict. But anyway, the thing that I found so interesting about uh, this Tucker thing or, or the Trump thing is how successful uh, and how quickly successful uh, he is. Do you think it's a bad idea, though? This is the one question I want to ask you before the break. To play it during the Republican debate, I understand why they're doing it. I understand that Tucker would say or probably the former president would say that his opinion is more important than what anyone else is saying. But lining them up against each other means that some people might miss out on one and choose the other and, and vice versa. It does seem a little petty to me, and it doesn't need to be done that way. You could have released it. It's already taped is what they've said. You could have released it today. You could have released it anytime you want, be a whole day in front of instead of at the same time as what's going on. Well, I, the I don't think it matters, Craig, because if you want to watch the you know so-called Republican debate. Sure. You can watch that, and right. then this, the other thing later. and this is is going to be available, right? With a lot, just like with a lot of things that are live streamed, as soon as the live part of it ends, it's archived right there in the same yeah. place you watched it, right. and you can watch it from the beginning. So you could technically watch them back to back if you wanted. I'm to. not accusing Trump specifically of making this decision. I don't know who made the decision. It might have been Tucker, but it, it just it just seems odd. Well, to me. I don't think it's odd. I think if there is an agenda behind it. Mm -hmm. I think there might be some confidence that head-to-head, -head, one might do better than the other. And if that happens to be the case... That narrative that will, will be, be valuable? Well, it'll be another illustration of why there really isn't a, a, a race for the Republican nomination. Yeah. I think and if everybody knows I, that I think now. if you're paying attention to the polls, you already feel that way. Right. I, I do think a lot of people should, at least right now, feel as though without Trump being there, it's not really a debate, that you don't have the leading candidate. Well, I mean... Uh, it would be it would be exceptionally entertaining if he was there. Sure. But it serves no other purpose. And the reason I say that is we know what Trump thinks. Mm -hmm. And every day or every other day on Truth Social and many of the videos that he puts out are then posted on Twitter or other platforms that allow it. Yeah. Uh, he gives his solutions under his Agenda 47 uh, uh, initiative of how to deal with all of these specific issues, Ukraine, uh, health care, right. uh, the economy. Uh, and he, he talks about those things, and, he's, and, he, and he spells it out for us. So I think from his point of view, I'm guessing, he's already voicing his opinion. Yeah. It's up to us to listen to it and sure. decide, I agree with that, yeah. I don't agree with that, right. without the constraints 
that a debate moderator would put on him. Sure. And again, I and, understand and the circus that you have to deal I, with while you have one of I, your I colleagues yeah. shouting you down. Here, we'll, we'll get to it because we've got to get to the news. I understand a lot of the reasons to skip the debate. Sure. I actually agree with him in skipping the debate. I, I would say at the same time, though, putting out competing content is just it's just something that seems when you're winning in a race by as much as you're winning it feels like you're now uh, turning around and kicking the people behind you and i don't think you needed to but again i'm not thinking that trump did that that might have been a tucker thing 1470 100.3 wmbd it's the craig collins show mark strauss tv guy on the radio hanging out uh, both of us earlier today watched something from Tucker Carlson uh, that he put up on social media. Tucker on Twitter is what he calls it. These sit-down, long-form interviews he's now doing. It's very podcast interview style, um, but very good, uh, obviously, and a lot of people paying attention to many of them. On uh, the latest one, he sat down with Colonel Douglas McGregor and asked a lot of questions about Ukraine and about this conflict. And here's how the entire thing ended. This is something that a lot of people said were some of the most interesting words chosen by McGregor in talking about uh, Ukraine, the conflict, all of it. But in the meantime, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars continue to flow into this black hole called Ukraine, which I think is an exercise in fraud, deceit and criminality, to be blunt. So when's it going to stop? When are we going to take care of Hawaii? Uh, let's go back to Ohio, where we had the derailment and the chemical spill. 4,000 human beings living in this area. The water is still not fit to drink, as I understand it. We wouldn't even invest the money to move those people to a safer area, even if it meant temporary housing or permanent housing, until this thing was cleaned up. What have we done? This is the problem. It is America last on every level. The last people who are consulted, the last people who are benefiting from anything that goes on in Washington. Hold on, that just uh, dropped. Uh, let's get this last couple seconds. seconds. This cannot go on. It's got to end. And I think it will end. But unfortunately, it's like everything else. We're going to have to be pushed over the cliff into the abyss. Over the cliff into the abyss is the phrase that's actually already trending now on social media as far as that goes. What is your response to that idea? Uh, not just the America last part, but the when it eventually actually yeah, stops. Yeah, well, I agree with him. And I think uh, you and I have talked privately where I've expressed the fact that people, we've allowed collectively, we're all guilty of this, we have allowed things to happen that shouldn't be happening. You know, I talked about this in reference to COVID, how we... We didn't push back when states like Illinois unconstitutionally forced the closure of businesses and schools. You know, individual school districts, parents should be making that decision, not the governor. And by the way, the governor, and not just the one here, did that without the legislature, which is, uh, that's a dictatorship. That's not lawful and constitutional govern governing if the governor would have gone to the legislature and asked the general assembly to debate and determine some sort of course of action and vote on it and then send it to his desk that's what the constitution of the state provides for but that's not what happened and the people just went along with it and when i say went along with it people might be saying well what are we supposed to do about it what you're supposed to do about it is not participate in the unlawful decree. Keep your business open. Send your kids to school. If you're a principal, keep the schoolhouse doors open. 
They can't do that, just like they can't come to your house and throw you out of it for no good reason, okay? Because if you let them do those things, the things they will do, at, you know, the, you, sure, they're you, you give an inch, the whole give an inch. That's thing. right. Yeah. The next thing is going to be worse. If your school is closed, you can't send the so kids what, to school, though. Like like you said a second ago, like send your kids to school. I, well, no. If the school no, is complicit, no, but, you can't. But that's – and I don't I don't mean this wrong, but uh, a lot of us have thought – been thinking narrowly about issues like that. Sure. And there are people who have resolved that by saying, okay, guess what? I'm going to homeschool my kids from now on, and they're never going back to your school. Or you've had communities – where there's been homeschooling groups so sure. that the kids have a social situation. So what happens is people resolve it on their own. Look at the people who founded this country. They decided we're not going to put up with this anymore. We're going to fight it. We're going to set up our own uh, law enforcement. We're going to set up our own everything. Yeah. And we're going to live independently. And then the British said, no, you're not, and the war, the sure. Revolutionary War. Sure. Uh, but but what I'm saying is is that, yeah, in a narrow sense, what are you going to do? Yeah, you I, got to I send your kids to school. Uh, well, you open a new school. I think that uh, when these kind of conversations happen, I, I don't mean specifically what you're saying on the show today, but just in general, that uh, we were too complicit, we were too this, we were too that. Um, you're talking about society as, as a whole. Yes. Uh, and you want the entirety of society to behave differently, but when you're one person standing in the middle yes. of something and it's going right. the way it's going, I don't know that that's the, well, the same version of not standing up for yourself. No, I understand, I understand what you're saying, but I, I always use the masks that everyone was supposed to wear during COVID as a, it's a great example sure. of how you fight back. You go into the store and everybody at the beginning was doing what they were told to do. Mm-hmm. And then you walk through this, and, 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 but reluctantly, and a lot of people didn't want to do it, but they didn't want to be called out or pointed at or yelled at by somebody who was a Karen. Sure. Yeah. But then <laughs> you saw that one guy or woman walking through the score, store without the mask, and you thought, I admire that. And then one day you see two people. And then one day you say, I'm going to go in there without a mask. And nobody says anything to you. And that becomes contagious. I understand, but that wasn't how it always played out. No. Uh, sometimes people tried to walk into stores without masks, and they went viral and got in fights with 16-year-olds sure. that but were that asked to, to guard the door. But that has to happen. Uh-huh. That's how this country was created. Yeah, but I, feel bad. I felt it's, bad for the 16-year-old. Sure, absolutely. Because I don't think that kid wanted that fight. But you know what? Fighting for your liberty mm-hmm. is messy. Sure. And as Reagan told us... Sure. We're one generation away from yeah. losing all of it. I contemplate that, and I, I agree with you. I just, uh, to play devil's advocate a, a little longer, uh, the stores had the right to decide to tell you you have to wear a mask to come into our business or not. That was something they're allowed to do, and a lot of the stores did it. And the way, so that's that, the same thing and with the, the way you fight thing. back is you stop shopping there. Sure, that's, that's, what, that makes sense to me. What's happening to Target right now? Sure, that's a different kind of a boycott, but, but, but yes. But what I'm saying is, is there's, go woke, go broke. there's always something you can yes. do sure. co- collectively. Right. And it's contagious. Correct. And what you find out in the end is that your position isn't so odd because, hey, it's not odd if Bud Light had its worst sales quarter in the history of the company. It's not odd. It's not odd if Target lost a ton of money Mm -hmm. uh, because people didn't like the way that they were pushing certain agendas. So 
there's there's always a way to do things. The problem is, is that with COVID, and, and they do this with everything now, they used fear. And they used a level of fear that they've they've never used before. And people at the beginning were terrified. But after they started thinking logically, they started to see through some of it. And that's when it started to fall apart. And that's why we were talking in the first half hour about them them pushing, starting to push COVID again. And you can see, are they going to try to shut down businesses? Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? Yeah. But people aren't going to go no, along I, with I it think, this time. I think, and I think that it'll be the collective that'll actually say no Absolutely. this time, which will make it a much more effective I, uh, yes. version of. Because of, I think, as, as a logical person, this is the last thing I'll say, and then we'll, we'll take a break. As a logical person, and I, I know that this might make people mad who wish that more people had stood up and and you know fought for whatever the things are that we thought weren't going the right way. As a logical person, you in your own life will make decisions based on what you can and can't afford. If you can't afford to, to go to jail and then get bailed out of jail, you probably won't risk getting in trouble if the threat is getting arrested for this. You probably won't pull your kids out of school if you don't have the means to educate them yourself. But, you probably will accept some of these levels of things if the vast majority of society is – and so that's where the messaging is much more important at times than actions. And the messaging was so screwed up. Uh, during the early parts of COVID, it was so controlled, and the Twitter files have demonstrated just how significant it was controlled on social media, that I do think the the looking back at it and saying, how dare you all comply, not that that's what you're saying, Mark, is misunderstanding how the actual way to fight might be here uh, in this microphone, you and I, and the conversations we have, and allowing people to have more information and make better decisions, whatever those decisions are, um, not that I'm saying that people, you know, who fought each other or, or acted a certain way, um, you know, have, have no blame or any of that stuff. I do think it was ridiculous. If I saw somebody without a mask on, I wasn't mad at all when I, when I saw that wherever I was. I didn't yell at anybody. I didn't care. Uh, but I did wear a mask certain places because I wanted to go into those stores no, there, and buy those and things. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Because so, if you're doing it because that's what you want to do. Then that's how But it, right. if you're doing it because you're being told to do it well, and we you were. don't want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, but don't don't do it. But there is a point where um, you wind up being a guy alone in, in a forest, and being alone is much harder. And um, yes. you know, uh, there's certain things about it that make people Look what they're doing to Trump. I know certain things about it that make people unlikely to do it. Trump is is probably one of the um, only people well, on this planet that has the means to fight sure. as much of it as well, he's fighting. Here's the thing: going back to being the the, the lonely the lonely man or woman, sure, which is honorable. The, you said it, and I agree with well, you. It's not a matter of being honorable. P- people have to see the the lonely man, the lone man or woman, because some of those people, not all, yeah, will say, "I'm going to join up." Sure, because that one person gives other people courage to represent and stand up for themselves. That's true. And when more people, it's like anything, actually. But it's now it's any, you, any sort of... Um, but you will. You are seeing now, today... More people that care. You are seeing, you are seeing the, uh, the, the, the results of the few people sure. who stood up. Sure, and lost jobs and all kinds of stuff. And people saw that, and right. they said, that is wrong. Right. And this time around, I think if they force any of these things, a lot more people would willingly lose their jobs, and they probably won't do it. Well, for that I think reason. a lot of businesses aren't going to go along with it, and so I some of those people too, yeah. won't lose right. their jobs. But I don't know that any of that will happen, but I, I would assume. You, you were it just. I know you got to go to a break, but you yeah. were talking about you know when you're in the midst of it, it's like you, you you're going to do it or you're going to lose your job, and I understand that, totally understand that, yeah. and that's uh, an individual's choice. 
So I'm not, I'm not slamming that. But if you, I'll give you an example. If you're a business owner and they say the governor of a state says you have to close your business, yeah. right? and first of all, they lie to you in the beginning and say it's for two weeks, <laughs> and then a month goes by. And you got bills to pay. And, you know, a lot of these restaurants and businesses, they're going month to month anyway. Yeah. They're not big box stores. Oh, yeah. They're not Walmart. They're not JCPenney. Okay. So now you're sitting there, and I bet there were millions of these discussions. We got to open our doors back up. Or, or we will be done forever. And that's your choice. Your choice is. You said break the law. There were no laws passed, but I understand what you mean. There were cops showing up at places yes, when they were open. They weren't that, allowed to absolutely. be. Absolutely. And, and those police departments should understand that they are they shouldn't be doing that because there's no law to back up whatever it is that they're doing. But my point is, is if you're if you're that business owner and it's like open the doors back up, yeah. even if the government is saying we have to be closed sure. or we lose everything our life savings, our sure. life's work. Yeah, there, there's no there's no decision to be door made. Door number one and door yeah. number two. Are identical. So go through the one that you think gives you the best chance. Because, I, I understand. Because yeah. you have nothing to lose right. at no, that I, point. No, I, I fully understand. And I do agree with you wholeheartedly that there are so many things that, that happened and so many things that would have been better had you know, they happened differently. That's why the columnists fought, because at yeah. that point... They had nothing to lose. Right. And, and I do think this time around there's a higher likelihood of a lot more people not doing what they're told to do if they get told to do just some the, stuff. Just the idea. You know, yeah. the government, the, the Constitution is a contract that the people have with the government which sets limits for the government. They are The government's not supposed to tell you what to do. Yeah. You tell the government what to do mm-hmm. by virtue of electing officials and then talking to them and saying, this is what we need in our town sure. or in our district. I got a text from someone that said the Board of Health issued emergencies, uh, saying that there was health emergencies, which is how things became more legally uh, controlled a certain way. Yes. Um, and so when the Board of Health is saying that you're not allowed in school, you're not allowed here or there, uh, it was harder to contest it or fight it, um, according to the, the text. Local health departments are not elected officials, and They're they not. have no... Uh, they have no legal authority yeah. to... Well, I think the novelty of what we all went through a couple years ago... They can ago, make recommendations. Yeah. They can warn the public about yeah. certain things. I think the novelty of what we went through a couple years ago was wielded against us, the people, in a, in a pretty significant way. And by way. the way, the, the, the people that we hear, for example, on your station, mm-hmm. uh, when they're giving updates, those aren't doctors at the health department. Sure. The administrators I, of the health department have no medical background. I, I, I don't know. I haven't looked into I But I'll say this, that I, I think the, the unknown was what was so powerful a few years ago, and that is not the case anymore. Right. Uh, what I'd like to say is that now there are studies, there is information, there is data. You can go look at it. You can go find it that has all kinds of different, you know, and some of it certainly still curated to, to be a certain way. So be aware of that, that there's agenda data and then there's actual data. Um, but when you look at stuff, you can you can make a much more informed decision. And that was the biggest problem, I think, last time, is that the information was not as available or available at all in a lot of scenarios. We do have to take a break. We'll be right back in a bit. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Mark Strauss, TV guy on the radio, and I hanging out as we always do. Uh, just quickly, uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to do a little bit on the world of baseball. Sure. Uh, the Yankees are terrible, uh, and the uh, Cardinals are not very good. No. Um, 
Um, I don't know what to say about uh, that situation. I know people don't really care about the Yankee thing, but just quickly, I wanted to say that it's remarkable how bad, in fact, the Yankees are. They have a, a record number of uh, losses in a row. I think it's eight uh, that they're at. I think nine would be you know, even more significant uh, as far as history goes. Um, I, do you think the world of baseball, this is the accusation of the world of the Yankees, has been so mired in the analytical that it now you have a two hundred million dollar baseball team that's atrocious. Is that is that a, is well? This I mean, both of, teams in New York, they're both bad, uh, the yes. Mets payroll is over three hundred million. Yeah. Although they did sell off some pieces at the end, yeah. which was smart of them to do. They admitted it. The Yankees yeah. did not. Well, uh, I think. Do you I, think this is the Moneyball thing wreaking havoc? Uh, I don't know. I think that's too. I think that's maybe an oversimplification, and it's too simple. There's a lot of things going on. You know, sometimes players don't play well. Uh huh. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. and, you know, and, and yep. in the case of the Yankees, I know that. Uh-huh. Uh, the only healthy pitcher that they had in their starting rotation for the year is Garrett Cole. And you can't, it doesn't matter how good Garrett Cole is. He may win the Cy Young Award in the American League this he year. Might. But if he can't pitch every day, he's no. not Wilbur Wood. No, we, we, we've asked. He, yeah. And so when you have that going on, first of all, um, you're sunk even if everybody else plays well. Mm. Uh, in the case of the Cardinals, I think there were a lot, I think, I think that might be an evaluation problem where they, they decided that their pitching was good enough. You know, I, I don't think the lineup is terrible. Uh, they have two great cornerstones with mm. Goldschmidt and Arenado, and I think the supporting cast is good enough to be competitive, but they have no pitching whatsoever. And, what they thought was going to happen didn't happen, and then they sold off part of their starting rotation. I think a lot of this goes to uh, ownership and what they sign off on. It's easy to j- blame the general manager and the manager, <laughs> but ownership doesn't sit there and go, do whatever you want. Well, but we can't fire ownership. You can fire everybody else. I wish you could fire ownership as fans. That would yeah. be great. Well, you fill out a poll and then everybody... No, I'm kidding. But to I'm answer kidding. your Moneyball question, I, I think we've seen over the years, time and time again... That it does that work. most of the teams that try to buy a championship... Can't. ...don't win anything. Yeah, no, they don't. The Yankees definitely don't. That's what they're saying. Uh, also, just real quick, one other baseball thing, just because it amuses me. Angel Hernandez is terrible at his job. Yes. He is really, really everybody bad Everybody knows that. And um, by the way... <laughs> Good. That's good for C.B. Uh, C. Buckner, because sure. if it wasn't for Angel Hernandez, he would be the worst umpire in sure. Major League Baseball. He's so bad that uh, the other night he had another strike call that was just ridiculous. <laughs> uh, is Angel Hernandez single-handedly going to create the robot umpire that calls balls and strikes? Because uh, if he never gets fired, I mean, it, you can't have uh, those kind of things happening. Do you think that'll be something in the near future? Well, I, I don't think he'll be the only one. Okay. I mean, there are other umpires who... Are bad. Are bad. Yeah. So you think robots are going to eventually be calling balls and I strikes? I hope not. I just think we need better umpires. Yeah, I don't know where those guys you, are. Hey, look, remember, no one should forget, 10 very accomplished veteran umpires retired after last season. They won't say why, and they've been asked, but I'm convinced that they didn't want to deal with the pitch clock and some of these other cockamamie rules that they've instituted mm-hmm. because they felt that... They're not baseball. That wasn't. Yeah, maybe. And also, there's a lot of pressure on the umpires right now. Some, sure. You know, some of the things that they're having to do, I don't think they necessarily agree with. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. But well, they're cool. stuck doing it. Well, good. We look talked how a fast, baseball. Look how fast they're throwing people out of games 
just for even questioning a call. They didn't used to do that. They're, they, they had a longer leash than that. Yeah. It's pretty obvious that uh, Rob Manford or somebody underneath him is telling the umpires, "Throw him out. You, you will. You, we want. We want people. Well, we want this stopped. We don't want any conversations yeah. at home plate." Aaron Boone has been thrown out a lot. Uh, that is true too. <laughs> um, I don't think that that makes him a good manager. Anyway, I'll stop with the Yankee thing. Thank you, Mark. He's good um, entertainment, though. He is good entertainment. He needs to get fired. They need a lot of people to get fired there. Well, All right. the, the upside of firing him is that he'll be back on TV and he'll be imitating other people's batting stances. <laughs> I'm sure he will. All right, quick break. A lot more. Thank you, Mark Strauss, TV guy on the radio, for hanging out with us Tuesday like you always do. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, we're going to pivot. We're going to do a totally different thing for a little bit, and I'm very happy. Uh, bring my next guest in studio. His name is Ben Maxwell. He is the director of a play at the Chillicothe Players called The Nerd. Uh, welcome to the show, man. Well, How are you th- doing? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Glad to have you here. This is the first time you've ever directed anything, you yep, were telling me. Yep, it's the first time. And you've acted in stuff for 30-ish years. Uh, yep. Tell me a little bit about the play, and then we'll get into some of the stuff about your experience directing it. But what is The Nerd? Yeah. Well, the play is uh, it's a comedy um, centering around this character, uh, Willem Covert. Um, it's just their uh, 34th birthday, and they get a phone call from uh, Rick Steadman, who was uh, somebody who uh, saved his life in Vietnam, but he never actually met him. Okay. And um, that he's uh, coming by for a visit. And uh, when he comes by, um, he is this character, Rick Steadman, is the, the title nerd. He's really annoying and obnoxious, All and right. he's just completely immune to... Uh, insults, and uh, he just turns Willem's left completely upside down as he uh, stays with him. Gotcha. And the reason that they're together is because he saved him in Vietnam. Right. Uh, do you talk a lot about Vietnam then, or is that just kind of a, a throwaway description? Um, there's not much about Vietnam. I mean, I mean uh, after we first hear about Rick, uh, uh, Willem goes into the story about when he when he when they were in uh, in uh, Vietnam, yeah. and uh, you know the story about what happened to him and how he got injured. And sure. Yeah. So it, it's so not it's a, a little bit, but not. Yeah. Yeah. Got yeah. It. It's not. It's not a, really a a theme of the play. So then, um, what do you think the audience, uh, like age range, should be for this show? Is it? I would say probably about 14, 15 is probably uh, the youngest uh, okay. to, to come to come. PG thirteen, yeah, basically PG thirteen guy. Yeah. Uh, so tell me a little bit about your experience directing it. Uh, you cast it, I imagine. Yep. You went through that whole process, and yep. now you guys are close to opening. How has this whole experience been for you? Um, it's really been a. Uh, uh, a, a fun experience. Um, after spending so many, so much time on the side of of theater, of you know auditioning, and then you know be, focusing on one character, um, being on the other side of it, where you can't just think about one character, you have to think about the entire show, all these other characters, and uh, when you're trying to also allow other actors to have their process of, well, I know this is what you were seeing as the character, but but uh, I've spent you know two months thinking about this character, and this is how I kind of want to see the character, yeah. and, and allowing the actors to. How kind does that of... conflict go in today's world? Now, I'm kind of curious about this. In the world of theater, maybe it's different mm-hmm. than other places, but no. if you have a different opinion than somebody who's uh, technically supposed to be following the lead of the director, mm-hmm. how do, how does that conflict go? Well, there's usually a, a bit of a discussion, and um, <laughs> for me, I don't mean to put yeah. you on, on, no, no, on okay. feet to the fire no, no, here. No, no, that's okay. yeah. uh, though for me, I'm I'm more of the opinion of actor first. Okay. So I I, I want to make I would like my actors to feel like this is what how what you saw, but this is what I see, and yeah. I I kind of think that should be uh, examined. And well, often I, I I'll try to let my actors. Um, 
Eventually, no. it's their decision. Yeah. You're, okay, got it. So you're, you're going to uh, push. You're going to give them the insight to whatever version of it you want. Yeah. And then eventually, at the end of the day, I guess, you know, okay, I got you. They're the so, ones on stage. Did you deal with a lot of that during the show or no? I don't think there was much of it, no. Um, I think. Have you seen a lot of it being in theater for as long as you have of other disagreements? Well, sure, yeah. There's. <laughs> well, after 30 years or so, you know, sure. there's a, there's a, there's wonderful experiences on stage, and, and then there's it. some not so pleasant uh, experiences on stage. Gotcha. What about the Chillicothe Players? I assume makes these all positive experiences. Uh, what about that organization? Do you like? Well, um, I like that I was, um, you know, given the freedom to do what I need needed to, and uh, nice. they were, uh, and of course they were also like um, really vocal about uh, coming to me to make sure to check on it. Uh, check on me and see if there was anything that I needed. Cool. So, That's yeah. good. That yeah. seems really good. Uh, so um, when does it open? Um, it opens uh, this Thursday. Cool. Uh, and then how many days are you running? Okay, oh, there are uh, four performances, uh, uh, 24, 25, and 26, all at 7.30. And then we have a Sunday matinee at 2.30, which is our uh, final performance. Cool. How do you feel right now, today, a couple days before it opens, as a person that's been directing it this whole time? Mm. Is this is there a tense like feeling? Are you just waiting for it to be... You know, performed now at this well, point. There's all of it. There's uh, there's <laughs> right, the cool. excitement. There's mm-hmm. the nerves. Uh, there's um, anticipation, uh, and of course, there's also the uh, wow. I actually, uh, in a way, can't wait for this to kind of be done. Yeah. Because then, uh, sure. m- my job is complete. Sure. Uh, then you've finished. Well, yeah. uh, good luck to you, man. It well, sounds like you. a fun show. Uh, anything else we should know about it before we let you go? I know you just gave a brief description of it, but anything people should be on the lookout for if they come out? Well, um, I will say that it is pretty much a laugh a minute, uh, beginning to end. Wow. That's that's awesome. Too. And there is a bit of a, a plot twist at the very end. All right. Well, uh, good. Uh, the Chillicothe Players, uh, chillicotheplayers.org, I think, is the place to go get tickets and buy things and they're also on social media, so you can yep. find them on Facebook, yep. and they have shows all weekend long. The Nerd yep. is the yep. name of the show, yep. and Ben is the director. Thank you again so much for hanging out. Well, thank Quick, you for having me. Thank you. Quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, you probably, or you might not know, maybe you do know, I don't know, uh, what uh, Fire Festival was. Fire Festival, and this guy named Billy McFarland uh, was this crazy con artist thing that happened. Although I imagine some part of it was supposed to be real. Uh, but Fire Festival happened several years ago, or, well, it didn't actually really happen, in which a guy named Billy McFarland, and I think Ja Rule was involved in it too, sold a whole bunch of tickets to a music festival and then wound up getting in a whole lot of trouble for all kinds of uh, bad things, including wire fraud. I think in Manhattan federal courts, he went to jail for uh, four years of a six-year prison sentence for some of the things he pled guilty to. The reason I'm telling you any of this, if you didn't know or if you don't know, is because he's out there again. Billy McFarland, who was released from jail in March of 2022, a little over a year later, is uh, trying to hype up and sell tickets to Firefest 2. <laughs> I don't know why I find this so funny. I I love so much of this because there's even audio of him. And I guess he put out the announcement uh, wearing a robe on his social media account. But he said it's going to be amazing. He said you definitely got to buy tickets. There's no lineup yet. No venue other than the Caribbean. Uh, But I love he even mentions in his video promoting it that he went to jail for a while and thought about how good it would be to do a second one. And so fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you kind of thing here. 
But I just love it. I love that it's out there and it might be a thing that happens and people might buy tickets. Uh, he is known, by the way, before I even play this, as uh, an American con artist who specializes in conning millennials and conning young people and sort of depending on a lot of stupidity in the world of, say, buying a ticket to a festival, not having any idea who's performing or where it even is. But here we go. What's up, guys? This is a big day. Because as of right now, Fire Festival 2 tickets are officially <laughs> on sale. Oh, yeah! It has been the absolute awesome. wildest journey to get here. Woo. And it really all started during the seventh month stint in solitary confinement. <laughs> I wrote out this 50-page plan of how it would take this overall interest and demand in fire. Yeah. And how it would take my ability yeah. to bring people from around the world together to make the impossible happen. Oh, to make it and amazing. how I would find the best partners in the world to I allow me to be me. I love the fact that he says that while I was in seven months of solitary confinement, I wrote out my business plan, and it's flawless, guys. It's going to be great. Getting Fire's vision to the highest level. I've also worked with one of the biggest production companies to sign a deal to produce Fire Festival, the Broadway musical. Finally, today, we're <laughs> announcing Fire Festival 2. Oh, we yeah. We spoke to people as far away Excited. as the Middle East and South America, and ultimately, we decided that Fire Festival 2 is coming back to the Caribbean. We are targeting Fire Coming back to the Caribbean, by the way, the first one didn't really happen uh, the way it was intended to happen, and a whole lot of people were mad about that. So I love that he's calling this 2.0. Festival 2 for the end of next year. It's going to be in great. In the meantime, we'll be doing pop-ups and events across the world. Guys, this is your chance to get in. This is everything I've been working towards. Let's go. Buy these sweet, sweet tickets to the thing that sent me to jail the first time. It's it's amazing the amount of commitment some people have to whatever life is they've chosen. And Billy McFarlane seems to be one of those guys. Uh, some other things out there that amused me, and, and granted, maybe this one shouldn't have made me laugh as much as I did, but I do want to play it. Um, so the, the part of the story that's not funny, uh, a guy in Kentucky accidentally shot his girlfriend in the foot at a state fair. I guess he had a gun he's not supposed to have because he's 19 and it's an open carry state at 21 there. He dropped it on the ground. She got shot in the foot. She's okay. She'll be fine. The thing that I do find funny is other festival goers, other state fair goers that reacted to this story, including the first person that spoke about this, because uh, this person is probably much more relaxed than anyone was in the situation uh, that happened when the guy dropped his gun and accidentally shot his girlfriend. But this this is just other people's opinion after hearing the story or maybe being somewhat aware of it. Things happen. Got us dropped it. Messed up her foot a little bit, but she'll probably be all right. Really? Uh -huh. they, can, they can bring whatever they want to hear. Maybe like a little check-in so like they know everybody that has one and everybody in and out just so there's no confusion. Yeah, the check-in sounds like a good idea. It's that first part that gets me so much. The things happen and she messed up her foot a little bit, but she's going to be all right. If you said that to her and you were actually the guy who had just got her accidentally shot in the foot, it would not go very Things well. Things happen. Got us dropped it. Messed up her foot a little bit. It just messed it up a little bit. She'll be fine. Everything will be okay. Uh, yeah, I think that there's a lot of things that probably could have gone differently there. But I do love the fact that people there, when they were asked uh, about this story, definitely from the, the benefit of being outside of it, uh, had much less serious reactions than you'd assume. Uh, again, I, I think that probably um, the guy said different things or he's probably not in a relationship with that person anymore. Although, I don't know. I mean, you might be out of that relationship just because of the whole uh, shooting her in the foot by accident part. I feel like that could probably cause some breakups. Some other things out there in the world, uh, not quite as serious. Although I guess this is a little... Um, depending on who you ask or, or how you feel about it. So, and the reason I actually even have some understanding of this is, and I think I talked about it on the show, a few weeks ago, my wife found these videos on social media on TikTok 
of um, girlfriends cracking eggs over their boyfriend's or husband's head uh, as a surprise. Like you ask the guy to come into the kitchen and then you break an egg on his head and you, you still use it. So you just like crack it open and then you keep cooking whatever the thing is you're cooking. And she thought they were hilarious. Betty was crying laughing at these videos and definitely made me very weary for a few days anytime she seemed to be making something in the kitchen. Uh, well, now apparently parents are doing this to kids. And some of the parents are doing this to very little kids, even like toddlers that are getting knocked in the head with the egg. Um, are they getting hurt? Probably not, is what it says here. Uh, but a lot of people now have a lot of opinions because the, the thing that was more of a joke against an adult man has now turned into a joke against anybody. And it, do, it does seem at this point that it's just stupid. Uh, and there are things, a lot of things that happen on social media that just seem dumb. Uh, and not necessarily the entertaining version of dumb, but the why is everyone doing it a version of dumb. I loved how funny Betty thought it was to watch like a, a wife crack an egg on her husband. And the, the guys never seemed to be hurt. They just seemed to be shocked by the whole process. So I did think that that was funny. But uh, give the Internet a chance and it'll do however many things it can possibly do in any of these scenarios uh, to make things as, as bad as possible or as potentially bad as possible. Now, again, I don't I don't have like much of a real reaction. I don't have a kid, a toddler. I'm not trying to crack an egg over a baby. Although, again, I don't think that it's actually injuring people as much as maybe some on social media do. But I don't think I'd ever do that. I don't think I'd ever make my baby front and center of any kind of like joke video I put up on social media in the first place. So I guess I understand why some people are reacting the way they are. But you tell me, 309 340 4464 is the uh, phone number to text. 309-340-4464 is whatever amount of discussion about this just stupid or is some part of it relevant. The cracked egg prank is what the challenge is called. And again, people only really started to have a problem with this when it was parents and, and their kids. You know, another thing, and, and I might get some amount of reaction from people for saying this, but I'm just going to, whatever, it is what it is. Uh, a thing I never really totally got was the uh, Jimmy Kimmel no Halloween candy prank. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I'm not going to say you're bad if you did it, but the idea was to steal all the candy after your kids get home from Halloween and then tell them you ate it all and then watch them cry for a little bit and put that up on social media and then laugh at it. And that was a thing that Kimmel started that a bunch of people willingly participated in. And it, it did just seem mean. I don't think I ever would have done it myself, and I don't know when it became a social media thing to use. And this is honestly now happening all the time. You know, young kids are idiots to their parents or their house or, or their school. And then they hope to go viral by being an idiot, by being a moron. It's like the, the jackass movie has per, uh, invaded so many parts of our lives across the board. And everyone is hoping to be the next really famous uh, jerk or, or moron. And I don't get that part. That is a part that I don't understand in this. And so I don't think I would do it if it were me. I don't know that I'd care about it as much as people on social media seem to be caring about it. And I genuinely ask the question to you, too. Uh, does this kind of thing matter? 309-340-4464. Another thing out there that I thought was interesting, a woman, I guess, uh, exploded at influencers taking selfies in front of her building. And it's pretty funny, uh, the audio, actually, because she she keeps screaming, get a job, to these young people that are outside. Uh, She is a reality star and content creator, is what the description is in the New York Post. Uh, That is something. Her name is Talia. 
Uh, she uh, shared the unbelievable interaction that she's been having with people uh, that were outside of this house that were taking f- pictures of it because I guess it's uh, a location from some other reality TV show in Australia. Um, I don't know if this is the right road to go. To, to And actually, I've heard this a lot. Uh, a lot of people have said that if you live near or actually choose to like live in, and I think the shameless house in Chicago is one of the ones that I'm aware of this happening because I think it still gets rented to people. But if you live near something like that, a tourist attraction, it's going to annoy you. You're going to get annoyed a lot. It's not going to be as cool as you think it is because people are going to show up and take pictures there all the time. But you probably can't go this road uh, to get people to go away. But it did go viral. And as I said, it was it was pretty amusing uh, because part of the audio, which I don't think I can play because I don't think it's actually edited to be played. So maybe we'll play it later on. Uh, but part of the audio is her saying that how do they have so much time in their hands, these people, to be walking all hours of the day in front of this house and snapping selfies in front of it? Why don't you have jobs? Please go get jobs. I do find that because I think you'd think the same thing, too, by the way. If you lived in one of these tourist attractions and people were walking up all hours, all days, you know, uh, Monday through Friday or, or all weekend long, too, you're like, how are there so many people with nothing better to do? and take a selfie in front of this building that is no longer a part of whatever show uh, it's famous for being a part of. But all right. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show, as you heard uh, during our news. And I can see it when I open up the window behind me and look out. There's a whole bunch of smoke just bellowing uh, into the Peoria sky. And there's a crane that fell into the um, uh, the Illinois River uh, that is on fire. And I guess it's going to take a while to get that um, crane out. I, I just got some pictures sent by a couple different listeners who are driving past this uh, very, very close to it. So that's uh, not looking good. Um, but I don't think that there are any people uh, that are in any sort of uh, harm's way, at least as far as the information we have right now. But we'll keep you updated uh, here as we uh, try to send. I think Will Stevenson is probably going to try to get out there, someone else, uh, as soon as possible to report more on it. But it is kind of just ominous to look uh, behind me, out into the, you know, um, typically just our our nice, calm, whatever um, afternoon sky and see just these huge clouds of smoke coming uh, just near the McCluggage Bridge. So, again, uh, a, um, a crane uh, is on fire and fell into the river uh, to some extent, and that's what's going on. Uh, but we'll have as much information as we possibly can at a later time uh, as we, uh, you know, mobilize and get people down there to report on this. And it's, I think, only been going on for... A few minutes. I got to leave that window open behind me. Uh, some other things out there in the world as we wait for more information on the breaking news story. Um, I do want to play this. This is uh, yet another demonstration of how things are not going well in the world of our economy or the world of your own uh, personal financial situation. And that obviously matters a lot to a whole bunch of people, no matter what the uh, current administration is saying, what Biden is going to sell you as far as trying to get himself reelected. Uh, so here's a little bit of that reporting from Fox, I think, on real average hourly earnings and how they're down. They're not up. Things are not better. They are definitely worse. This is the reality of the American uh, economic situation right now. While you often hear this uh, White House tout that earnings are up, mm-hmm. well, not when you account for inflation. It's gobbling everything right up. Under this president, uh, real average hourly earnings are down 2.63%. Look, by itself, uh, trying to reshape something this way is not necessarily, I think, unique to Biden. But what is unique to Biden is the amount of times that he assumes just saying stuff that's not true is somehow beneficial, somehow um, valuable to you 
to me, to anyone else, uh, even when the things he's saying are obviously not going to be believed. By like, you, you can't trick someone into having a different life experience right now. If you're um, feeling as though things are tighter for you in your everyday life, if you feel like it's more expensive when you go to the grocery store than it used to be, if you feel like you know whatever you're getting paid isn't going as far as it went before, no amount of watching somebody on TV saying things are good and we're doing great changes any of that. And so I do find this lie particularly hilarious in the world of our government or in the world of politicians who admittedly lie all the time. You know that. I know that. Uh, just because of how they're basically trying to tell you that what you're experiencing isn't what you're experiencing, and that's the trickiest lie of all to, to uh, pull off. Magicians struggle with it at times, I think. But here, I want to play this, too, because this is not an exactly accurate story. Uh, but even more importantly than that, our president continues to equate whatever natural disaster he is asked to go um, show up at and demonstrate a willingness as the leader of the country to support people who are going through horrible things like what's going on in, in Hawaii and in Maui right now. And he takes those opportunities to share his own personal story of how he sort of kind of understands what you're going through. And it's ridiculous. It's it's laughable if it wasn't also offensive uh, to anyone in these situations that's actually struggling. But I, I want to play it. This is a minute of audio of Biden saying that he once had a house that caught on fire and because of that, he understands what it's like to be going through the absolutely catastrophic thing going on in Maui right now, where there are still people missing, still people unaccounted for, and tons and tons of homes have been destroyed and, and lives have been lost. And for some reason, wanting to be relatable and wanting to be a person who who gets it, being the average Joe, here's what I really think. You know what? I was going to play the audio, but I want to say one other thing before I play it. Sometimes... In life, and, and I think especially with famous people or politicians, whoever it is, you drink your own Kool-Aid is the way that I, I describe it. You, you eventually uh, become arrogant or crappy enough or awful enough that whatever the thing is that you're known for is the thing that you think you're supposed to do all the time. And then behind scenes, you can be the absolute opposite of anything that you're selling to the people. I think we've seen that a few different times now. Ellen is one name that comes to mind, who is selling one human being to the world, and then behind closed doors was a very different one. But I think the Kool-Aid that our president is drinking is that he's Mr. Relatable. He's he's Mr. Just like you and aw shucks and, and whatever it is, and he's not. And he's outed himself a lot for not being that person. But it's because of that and an amount of arrogance that you tell a story like this in a situation like this where most people wouldn't do this. Most humans, just being a regular human person and not thinking about, you know, my role or, or who people know me as or what they think of me as, if you showed up to this sort of scenario, what's going on in Maui, if you actually got to fly over and see some of the devastation, you would just care about people, most of us would, Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter, and you would not take an opportunity to talk about your own personal tragedy and how you get it, essentially shaping yourself as a politician still. And this is the thing that makes so many politicians so terrible at their jobs and makes uh, Washington such an awful place compared to the rest of the country in, in helping us live our lives correctly. It's that out-of-touch, all-about-me version of selling you uh, a story, selling you something irrelevant to how much good you could actually do in the position you're in. That's secondary to anything for me about me. And here's an example of it yet again from our president. 
I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I. By the way, that's always the first red flag. I don't want to compare difficulties, but you, you should never say but in the situation you're in with that as the lead it. What it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. No one cares. Sunny, sunny. No one in Maui cares right now about this. And lightning struck at home on a little lake. It's outside of our home, not on a lake. Don't a big care. Pond. And hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short. Too late. I almost lost my wife, my 67 Corvette, <laughs> and my cat. I almost lost these things that I didn't lose because the fire wasn't anywhere near as bad as I've talked about it being. And so I get it. I get what you're all going through and the fact that there are people still missing in Maui. How can you get to a place where you become a person who thinks that this is somehow helpful or relevant to anyone you're talking? Like, how long do you have to be in these positions of political power and so disconnected from the real world to think that this is at all something that anyone there even wants you to try to say or hear or anything like that. It's a genuine question. How long does it take your humanity to just leave your body? All kidding aside. How was that a joke, sir? I watched the firefighters, the way they responded. You know, there's an old expression. I grew up right across the street from a fire hall in Claymont, Delaware. Again, no one, no one cares. Now I'm done with it. But if there's an old expression or something about how great it is that the job that the um, first responders are doing, I agree with you. That is great, especially in the uh, situation where something feels daunting, where the challenge seems to be, you know, um, um, one that's going to take a long time to, to figure out. But it, it just, it's just amazing to me that we have a commander in chief uh, that some people would say is, is, you know, just a good person, a nice guy, a, a this or that, um, that is so self-involved, so self-obsessed that you show up to something like that and you speak in this way about what you get of what everyone else is going through when you should not be even remotely attempting to make any part of it about your own human experience. I just don't get it. All right. I want to move on. One other quick thing. And we're starting to hear a lot more uh, going on downtown. So I don't know if we'll have an update soon on what's going on with the uh, crane that is on fire, uh, although the smoke has seemed to clear from the sky for the most part. So uh, maybe that's something that has already been, um, you know, somewhat uh, more figured out. But we'll have more information on that in a bit. But I do want to play one other piece of audio in the world of politics. And I just simply want to ask the question and you decide the answer. 309 340-4464 is the phone number. 309-340-4464. It's DeSantis uh, responding to Fox News, asking about how Trump is going to be skipping the debate. Uh, DeSantis is saying that it's a responsibility for you, the person, uh, whoever you are, to, to be out there and giving your, your ideas to the public uh, because that's what the voter deserves. Uh, and he also talks a lot about earning, uh, not having any sort of um, uh, what he calls this, this entitlement. Uh, and I have to be honest, before I even play this audio, none of that's the reason I think that Trump is skipping the first debate. He's skipping it because he doesn't have to participate in it. And with the lead he has, it actually almost hurts him to help other people 
take pot shots at him that might raise, uh, or, you know, rise or raise their, their political uh, value, uh, might, you know, uh, give them a lift in the world of uh, public opinion. So not being there does diminish the value of the debate entirely. And that helps Trump. It's a simple political decision. It's not one that's, um, I think, preventing voters from having more than enough information about a guy who you hear about all the time in news. I think you have more than enough information about Trump. But here we go. Here's how DeSantis will attack Trump not being at the first debate. What do you think about the fact that the former president is not going to be on the debate stage next to you and you won't get a chance to put this directly to him? Everybody should debate. Everybody has a responsibility to earn people's votes. Nobody is entitled to anything in this world, less of all the Republican nomination for president. Uh, So I'm going to be there. I'm going to be making the case. And this is really a great opportunity because I don't think very many people over the summer have been following it that closely. I think this is going to be the first time where candidates are going to be able to speak unfiltered uh, to a a large number of Americans. And so I'm going to make the case that under Joe Biden, this country is in decline. We need to send Biden back to his basement in Delaware and reverse (laughs) the country's decline. And I'm the guy that can do it. I've proven it in the state of Florida uh, and I won't let people down as the next president. Yeah, here's what I think, again, is most interesting about that attack. Uh, it's the nicest attack you can possibly uh, throw at Trump is that he's a little too entitled, and that's why he won't be showing up at the debate. But it's also inaccurate. Uh, the biggest reason, again, why I think that Trump will be skipping debate number one is there's no way that it can help him. When you're winning by as much as he's winning by, you don't need to get your message to more people. You just you just don't. You have to have a real challenger. It's the reason that Democrats would tell you Biden's not going to debate anyone is that he's the incumbent, he's running, and no one is actually a real threat. And Trump is winning by as good of a margin as Biden is in any kind of poll. So it seems as though it just simply makes sense to not debate um, being a person who also served in the role before of being the president is probably another reason. But he'll debate eventually. I'm sure Trump won't skip all of them. Uh, but again, I do think it's interesting because they are going to have to figure out a way to attack Trump for this. And this one's probably not going to work, at least according to me. All right, quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD is 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff to talk about. News coming up in about five minutes or so. And we will continue to keep you updated on the big giant thing of smoke that was uh, just near the McCluggage Bridge. Uh, I think that uh, our first set of reporting was that it was a crane that was on fire. Uh, but I think Will Stevenson was on his way out there. So hopefully we'll have more information on that. Just a bit for you. I don't see any more uh, smoke in the sky from my position here at the um, Civic Center Plaza. But I, I don't know uh, what that means for uh, what's going on there. But that is uh, the bigger story that broke or a uh, big thing that happened uh, during the show today. Some other things out there uh, just quickly before we get to the news. And then the top five at five uh, after the news, which is the five biggest news stories, according to me. That'll be in about 10 or 12 minutes or so. I saw this. I thought this was pretty interesting. Screen time for babies has been linked to delays in speech problem solving, all sort of developmental, fine motor skill types of things. Even some social skills uh, seem to be stunted depending on how early and how often uh, very little toddler baby uh, people uh, are uh, being just passively handed screens, such as mindlessly watching television or videos. Uh, This is something that uh, causes you to not really 
make your brain very active uh, for describing it probably the most simplistic way possible. Uh, the University of California in San Francisco did some of these studies. Screens can disrupt and displace interactions with caregiver, caregivers or limited opportunities for verbal exchanges, uh, which can impair communication and social skills. Uh, just one of many things demonstrated in the study. I think it was 7,000 kids uh, that were measured between 2013 and 2017 and some of that research that has come out uh, now. So this is all before COVID or, uh, you know, learning from home, learning on a screen, that kind of thing. It, it just seems um, interesting, to say the least, with everything else that's gone, over, gone on over the last couple of years, that this kind of information is so uh, relevant and available. And it, it means you should put the devices down or not just hand them to your kid as often as maybe some people do uh, to distract them or whatever. 116 is clogged with cars. Thank you for that from a texter. Uh, yeah, I think traffic is probably still easily backed up. And I know that some of those uh, roadways were closed uh, for a while there, um, but we are waiting for more information. I don't know if Julia has more information, but I know Will uh, hopefully will be along in a few minutes uh, as he is uh, getting on the scene for the fire that was happening uh, near the McCluggage Bridge. Um, uh, and it's a crane, I think, that was on fire from our reporting on it. But keep texting me, 309-340-4464, if you have any other information on that. Uh, one other quick thing, uh, and then we'll, like I said, throw it to the news. Um, I don't know why I saw this and thought it was interesting. Uh, Gen Z has tried to cancel LOL. Uh, they don't like that acronym anymore. Instead, they like IJBOL, uh, which is me, which means I just burst out laughing. Uh, apparently, the uh, old phrase, laughing out loud, is is dead. It's not one that people use anymore. It's not one that was ever um, honestly true. I don't know what to think of this. I just think it's silly that we care uh, what acronyms do and don't. We're, it's very stupid. The the Internet slang version of the world we live in right now. And, yeah, I whatever one you want to use is fine. Live your life. Don't care about anyone. But if you want to go IJBOL because you just burst out laughing, then then that's the road that the young people are saying to go, because somehow it's better. And I laugh a lot on this show, so maybe I'll, I'll uh, use that one more often, too. I don't know. And then one last thing, uh, too, uh, just quickly before I take a break. I did also think this was interesting. Most Gen Z and millennials base their purchases on a brand's mission, according to a new survey of 2,000 U.S. adults. I don't know if that's as true as they're saying it is here, or if they just had a unique set of people as Dan DiOrio always describes them as, survey people uh, throw off the, the value of a survey. But ethical brands are more likely to sell their products to younger people. I think that is why some brands have tried to be, quote, more woke. And it doesn't work with all generations. It just works with younger generations. And I think it's still hit or miss. I think you have to be interested in something, a product, whatever it is already, if you even then care enough to also check whether or not they agree with whatever ideology you have. Uh, which, again, feels like a step I don't know a lot of people actually taking. But it is probably the reason that you're seeing more and more uh, companies that are uh, cognizant of some of the things they're saying. They're just trying to sell you stuff. And this data tells them that's the way to sell you stuff, even if it's not really benefiting uh, these companies, uh, certainly as demonstrated by people like Bud Light and the amount of money that Anheuser-Busch has lost. But anyway, I just thought it was interesting. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff to talk about. It is time for the top five at five, including however much information we have about what's going on in the McCluggage Bridge, but first this. It's time for the Top 5 at 5 on the Craig Collins Show. That's right. These are the five biggest stories of the day, 
according to me right now in this moment, uh, in order, I guess, uh, usually, and I'm trying to do them in reverse order from five to one. However, I'm going to start with the biggest story uh, locally, and it's the fact that there was a fire blazing uh, just uh, down the roadway from us at the McCluggage Bridge. Uh, both sides of it are closed. Uh, police have been uh, diverting traffic. So if you're traveling in that area, um, try to avoid it as best you can. What we understand happened, and actually some photos I was sent by some listeners, which is very cool, uh, the listeners are sending in some photos of this, is that a crane is on fire or was on fire in the area, and that a whole bunch of uh, firefighters from all around the community are responding to that uh, fire. And I no longer see black smoke bellowing in the sky. So that's a good sign. Uh, there's also a giant heat wave going on. So this is a bad time, not that there's a good time uh, for things like a fire uh, because it might make it more challenging. And I guess that is one of the bigger stories of the day. So I'll make that number five on the list of top five stories of the day uh, moving on. And as I said, our newsroom and I know our traffic department are paying attention to what's going on with the McCluggage Bridge. So if there's any more breaking information, I, I hope that they uh, tell me and they'll jump in and, and be on for whatever it is. I know Will Stevenson is on his way out there to, to cover that more. Uh, but yeah, the, the temperature is going to be very hot uh, this week. It's going to be like 101. And I think that's the actual temperature on Thursday. And then with the heat index, of course, uh, quite a bit higher. It's 105 today. Uh, people are taking this as an opportunity to talk about things like uh, global warming and whatnot. And I do kind of find some of that interesting, the way those conversations go. But for the most part, the thing that's relevant to you as far as news goes is it's hot. And it's going to be hot for a few days. And so do whatever you can to protect yourself from uh, heat. Number three on the list of the top five uh, stories at five o'clock uh, are getting a little bit more political. Uh, I do want to dive into the world of what's going on with uh, Trump and then also, I guess, uh, to some extent, the debates. Um, and I played some audio of Ron DeSantis a little bit ago, and I asked you to send me text messages, 309-340-4464. Uh, what do you think? 309-340-4464 is the phone number of uh, DeSantis saying, diverted traffic is is doing U-turns, according to another text that just came in. Thank you for this text. Uh, not all that uh, safely. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, please be safe as you're uh, moving around in traffic. Um, but to get back to it, um, DeSantis's attack on Trump is that he should be a part of debate because the voters want to hear from him and it's kind of entitled behavior to not be a part of it. But the, the truth is that right now with the lead that Trump has, it only benefits everyone that's not him for him to show up and be a part of that debate because it allows someone, anyone on that stage to try to be the most effective at sparring with him. So skipping it continues to um, force those who are going to be a part of this debate, which is all the other names you'd assume that would be there. And some of the names that won't be there, I don't think are names that anyone will be missing. Uh, but it will be uh, DeSantis, uh, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, um, most of the people who are, and Pence, uh, likely to, in some way, shape or form, uh, still, you know, climb uh, some of those polls, but they're not they're not really challenging Trump right now. So it simply makes sense not to be there. So that is three A, let's call it three B is the um, uh, people that have been accused with the former president of, um, you know, the things going on in Georgia with the uh, past election or trying to fix the election, the co-conspirators, if that's what you want to call them. And some of those individuals are are surrendering, uh, just like Trump will later this week, uh, to be arraigned. Uh, I do think what's interesting is there is one person who's asked the judge to kind of throw out everything and anything uh, connected to him, and that's Mark Meadows. Uh, Mark Meadows is someone that people think may have, quote-unquote, flipped 
on the former president, might be giving information to the other side. But I do think it's interesting uh, that Meadows has asked a judge to block his arrest in Georgia, and we will see how that goes. Um, even the New York Times had a headline, Mark Meadows pursued a high-wire legal strategy in Trump inquiries. For what reason? Why is he doing it? Uh, there are some questions to be asked there. That's number three uh, B, let's say. And then the number two story to me, um, or, or well, actually, I guess number one was, I don't even know where I am now as far as these five go, because the biggest story locally is going to be that there's a fire on the McCluggage Bridge, um, uh, or there was, and the bridge is totally closed. But one of the other bigger stories beyond that is uh, Sam Bankman-Fried uh, subsisting on bread and water in jail, his lawyer said. He's essentially trying to starve himself, uh, maybe so that people start to care or I don't know what about him. But Sam Bankman is a uh, freed is a guy that I don't think is going to get a whole lot of um, sympathy support from anyone because uh, he's someone who's a fraudster himself and uh, someone who helped in the uh, whole world of, you know, Bitcoin. You know, I, honestly, real quick, I saw this. I think it was um, yesterday, last night, as I'm going to bed, which is a weird thing to read. And then I'm going to get to the other biggest story of the day, which is the thing that you think it is about Biden. Um, but I saw last night that the NFT, um, and there are these ape things. This is very weird to try to explain, but I'm going to do it very quickly. There's these ape things that went viral for a little bit of time. They were photos, but they're actually like unique, non-fungible tokens is what they're called, NFTs. They had a, a unique amount of, you know, uh, coding on them, uh, to describe it again very poorly, that made them something that you couldn't recreate. You'd have to make a whole new one. And I was reading about how terrible that has gone for anyone that bought any of these. A year or two ago, Jimmy Fallon and Paris Hilton and other celebrities were bragging about the ones they were buying and propping up what seemed to be a really stupid thing to spend your money on. And now it's in the toilet as much as it can be, and most of those uh, ape things are worth very little, if any money at all. And this is not shocking. This is not surprising. This is not something that most people should feel as as even, you know, an unpredictable scenario. Uh, but what I thought was really interesting about it is as I'm reading this story about how terrible these things are and you shouldn't uh, spend any money on them. Another story popped up uh, in the corner for me on my ad on my computer that told me how great of a deal they were and how I should be getting in now while the iron is is hot, while the, you know, the market is low. And I thought that was really funny because in the article I'm reading about how bad things went, it said that media and uh, celebrities propped up an industry they knew would fail, kind of like Sam Bankman-Fried did some things with F, uh, FTX uh, that you knew would go poorly and you spent money and put it certain places uh, just to convince enough stupid people, enough saps. Uh, and I'm not calling you stupid if you bought in. That's what they think of us when they do these things um, to, to buy something that they know has no value so they can get in, get out and, and make a bunch of money off of it. And it was just so funny that whatever algorithm was seeing me click on NFT also fed me one of those terrible stories that definitely seemed bought and paid for by some some advertiser somewhere uh, that was the exact opposite of everything I'm reading about how poorly they have gone. All right, number one story, the biggest story of the day to me is the thing that our president chose to say, um, and I know he said this actually last night, uh, but it's the biggest story today to me, while he was in Maui. He continues to try to relate to people, um, and I feel like he thinks that that's the bread and butter of him as a politician. And so in a moment when humanity would take most people over and you'd behave, you know, the way that that you're supposed to, uh, seeing something terrible going on with, um, 
the the amount of damage, the people still missing, the lives lost in in Hawaii. Instead, uh, the political leader of this country uh, told a story about his own house fire and almost losing a cat. And that's how he does but doesn't understand what people are going through. And it is so tone deaf. It is so disconnected from any sort of reality that it should be connected to that it is like maddening and offensive and all that stuff. But it is also just, you know, the the latest demonstration that this person is incapable of the job that they are in right now. I don't know how many humans would go this road, how many just regular people would try to tell someone that has gone through what they're going through in, in Hawaii that I get what you're going through in any way, shape, or form. And so it's a, it's a giant thing that people are attacking Biden for, and I think rightfully so. And it's also not the first time he's used this as his pivot point from whatever the catastrophe is. He did this in Florida after the hurricanes and things there to pivot away from I'm here to help your community and show you that the United States is behind um, providing support to I'm here to talk about me. And I'm here to use this as a political opportunity uh, because it's now a presidential race. It's crazy. It's it's I'm I, I'm sorry to rant about it, but it makes me so mad that this is what politics is to so many politicians is find opportunities to win people's support by any means necessary, whatever that is. And that means that when all cameras are pointed at you, no matter what reason they're pointed toward you, you find a way to, to pivot it into something about you. And it's it's the biggest problem in Washington, D.C. that we have. And it's demonstrated here in one minute by the guy in charge of our country right now. I don't want to compare difficulties, but we have a little sense, Jill and I, what it's like to lose a home. Years ago, now 15 years ago, I was in Washington doing Meet the Press. It was a sunny Sunday. And lightning struck at home on a little lake that's outside of our home, not a lake, a big pond, and hit a wire and came up underneath our home into the heating ducts, the air conditioning duct. To make a long story short. Very too late. I almost lost my wife. You did not. My 67 Corvette. You didn't lose that either. And my cat. Didn't lose your cat. But all kidding aside. I don't know how that was a joke. I watched the firefighters, the way they responded. Uh-huh. Right. No, no- he had a small house fire, is the actual. This has been debunked so many times. There was a small house fire. His house wasn't lost. His cat was fine. His Cor- Corvette was fine. His wife was fine. Everything was okay. Um, yes, they, they went outside, and yes, the firefighters fought it. But he tells that story in front of people who are dealing with the the ridiculously horrible things that, that happened in Florida and the or excuse me in, in Maui. He did it in Florida too, and the amount of homes that are lost and people that have died. How can you tell anyone that you're someone that, you know, relates to people when this is the least relatable thing you possibly could have done in trying to share your own version of something utterly different uh, as that opportunity when speaking to people. I, it just it makes no sense to me. That's the reason it's the biggest story of the day is it's the best example I think I've I've had in a while uh, is just how disconnected, just how out of step, how much they don't care about you, me, anyone, the world of Washington is, and Biden is at the forefront of it because he's so bad at this. He's so obvious when he, other politicians have probably done this, but they've been smoother about it. So it's not so apparent, like, wait a minute, you'd be sitting in the audience and saying to yourself, why is he talking about himself right now? 
Why is he talking about his house and his fire? Why is he doing this again? If you paid attention to the times he's done it before, I have no answers to any of that. All right, we'll take a break. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, just so you know that the McCluggage Bridge has now been reopened. Uh, we're hearing from our traffic department. So the McCluggage Bridge reopened, um, and that is good, obviously, as this is a high-volume time for people to be driving in the area. Uh, but there was a fire uh, uh, for a crane, and I know that Will Stevenson from our newsroom is still trying to get out there to report it, figure out what's going on. We don't see any more smoke in the air. Uh, we don't have any official reports of the fire being totally out, but it, it appears uh, likely that it's it's out. Uh, and a whole bunch of firefighters from around the area uh, sort of responded to this altogether. I don't know if Julia Bradley, who's sitting in our newsroom, has any anything different than what I just said. Julia, you got anything else? No, I just I assume that since they just opened the bridge, it's very possible that crews are still working on that crane in sure. the water. Yes. And so, you know, it doesn't mean that everything's done. So right. and Will is on his way there. OK, so. yep. Will is on the way what... to report about that. Yes, absolutely. Um, um, and the bridge being reopened is obviously, as I said, a good thing. Uh, but we don't know. Uh, this is just a guessing game to a certain extent till we have people fully reporting uh, down there. But please keep texting me, too. I know a lot of texters have sent stuff in 309-340-4464, 309-340-4464. Uh, thank you for all the information you guys have been sending in, uh, too, on that. Um, uh, I want to play a little bit of audio. And then we'll get to uh, some other things, and then we'll do the good story, bad story, uh, which is something I do every day just after the news uh, update in a few minutes. Uh, but this audio is from uh, the Energy Secretary, Jennifer Granholm, and she's talking about how um, there is no future in energy without also talking about climate change. There is no climate change without talking about energy. It's, it's an odd moment. So here, I'll let you listen to it first. But really to put it... Another way, there is no rational discussion of our energy future, which is not also about climate change. And there's no serious discussion about climate change, which is not also about energy. So these two are are uniquely tied together, according to this current administration, in a way that is not necessarily good for, say, the cost of energy for you or for me or for anyone. IDOT has been uh, called off the bridge scene, is another text that I just got from someone. Thank you for that text message. IDOT has been called off the bridge scene is uh, something that a listener is reporting that we will have more clarity on, I'm sure, uh, when Will Stevenson reaches the area, which is actually kind of interesting, too, that we just sent our news director uh, toward a place where a lot of traffic is packed up and hope that he gets there um, relatively quickly to give us more information on it. It's a difficult thing, um, but thank you, Will, for, for attempting it, and thank you again to the listeners who are sending stuff out. Uh, here's the biggest reason that this is a, a terrible position for us to take as a country in what Jennifer Granholm just said just quickly. Uh, if we do anything alone, anything that the country chooses to do, and I, I'm not someone who denies climate change. I think it's real. I'm a millennial, so I, I grew up being told it was real. And you can get mad at me for saying that I think it's real. It's fine. I don't think the government's the right people to fix the problem, uh, to say the very least. But if the United States acts alone and no one else actually behaves the way that they're supposed to behave, then our energy costs will go up and nothing will get better. Uh, in the world. And we've seen that even with the climate accords from Paris, uh, almost none of the I think one country has lived up to the requirements by law that they're supposed to live up to, uh, which means that everybody else isn't doing it. And there are several countries who have no interest whatsoever of behaving as though energy and climate are tied together, because as we would start to pull back in certain things, they would make more money by doing the opposite. So it is a very interesting stance to take, and it's one that's not at all beneficial to you, to me, to anybody, and yet it's a, it's a pretty consistent talking point in the world of politics. But anyway, I'll take a break. 
1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, this uh, thing I'm going to say is really just for Will Stevenson and nobody else um, because I can't hear you anymore and I don't have any other way to screen this, but I'm going to turn on tie line one and hope for the best that I hear you at some point. And if you hear me and you want to chat with us, uh, you can do that or you can call in, Will, and you can text me to let me know that. Uh, Will is still trying to make it out to the fire that happened near the McCluggage Bridge. I saw that some of the reporting on it. Oh, there's a Will Stevenson. I hear you. How are you doing, buddy? There I am. Hi, Craig. Hey, uh, I saw some of the reporting on it is that it was a welding barge that had caught fire. Is that what you know at this point? Um, I don't know any more than you do. We are actually a fair distance away uh, near the Uftering Auto Mall, actually, not far from the McCluggage Bridge. State police pretty much kept us off of all the exit ramps at the time, and uh, we had some other problems getting here. But uh, I do know... Don't they know that, you're Will Stevenson? Uh, again, as you... Well, you know, you would like to think so because, as you know, of the Great Morton incident right. earlier this year. I do. That I do know anybody that. should know who indeed I, I am. How yes. dare but, you, sir? Uh, uh, you're right. I, but I guess, as TJ said, the McCluggage Bridge is back open mm-hmm. again, so that might alleviate some of the uh, state troopers I saw blocking the uh, gotcha. off ramps here on my way here. But uh, okay. we don't know exactly what's uh, what specifically uh, more is going to happen. I do see a Peoria fire vehicle off in the distance uh, toward the uh, entrance to the uh, area where all the construction equipment is uh, is being stored out here. Definitely there's... Not much, if any, smoke in the air. We saw thick black smoke about this time an hour ago coming from that crane that was uh, or on that barge that was yep. uh, on the bridge. So um, things are definitely a lot better, I would say, than they were just an hour ago when this fire broke out, which uh, unfortunately I think you can almost understand to a degree because of how hot it is out here and how heavy and hardworking that equipment tends to be. Yeah, no, uh, my favorite thing, if you don't mind, Will, for just a second, is the text messages I was getting from people who thought that, you were not going to make it. Um, there were 309, 340, 4464. People that are saying this is a this is a, a fool's errand for Will, but I'm glad that he's trying to do it. Someone else said Will I should d- be taking a boat right now and not a car. <laughs> we should you get know, a boat. Um, we need to get a WWE you know, yeah, boat. You know, I, I shouldn't be talking out of school here, but uh, uh, we do have some company officials in the building today. No, if they want right. to get us a boat we that's can true. use, that would be great. High-powered speedboat. Actually... Yeah, right. And actually, uh, a couple of the fire departments, including Peoria Fire, we heard were being dispatched, were dispatching their boats to the scene. It's probably was the easiest way to get to the fire on whatever barge it was uh, sure. near the bridge, as opposed to spraying water on it from afar. But sure. I guess you try uh, any mode of uh, operation you can to try to get it out in this situation that's right we need we need a boat uh, officially now for obvious reasons um and will stevenson not would have been on we need it. a boat but we need a bigger <laughs> boat that's true we need to get a bigger boat thank you sir anything else i should get from you before i let you go anything else we need to know not right now uh, traffic is still uh, at least from what i could tell uh off the mcluggage bridge so looks to be uh, getting back to normal a little bit it okay. was a disaster getting here at least as tj was mentioning earlier uh, on the murray baker bridge <laughs> uh, i took that bridge and then uh made a left turn and headed toward uh the uh, Uftering uh, Auto Mall here, oh, nice. and that's as close as we've gotten uh, this far, us and another media outlet. So hopefully okay. we'll be able to get a little closer before too long. We've been hearing rumors of a briefing somewhere, but uh, we're not sure where yet. That sounds fun. you got to find the briefing. Um, by the way, someone else just said we need a helicopter. I think we're fine with either one, helicopter or boat. Yeah, I'm... 
I'm good with the boat. I would right. rather not be in a helicopter. Right. Inaugural flight, inaugural um, uh, journey, whatever it is, we're going to put Will Stevenson on it, I, I assume. So thank you very much. Shopper sir. 1470 sounds like a terrific <laughs> idea, I guess, if all else fails. It does. Man, I want all the stuff Batman has at some point. Uh, thank you, you, buddy. We all want all the stuff Batman has. <laughs> Amen. All right. Thank you. Uh, talk to you soon. You uh, bet. Will Stevenson reporting live-ish from around where the McCluggage uh, fire, the, I shouldn't say it that way. The fire near the McCluggage Bridge happened. I saw some reporting out there that said it was a, a welding barge, uh, that caught fire. I know we were reporting that it was a, a crane earlier, but we're trying to get more information. And Will is doing yeoman's work, uh, attempting to get out there as best he can, which I don't know why I'm so entertained by. And I, I love that a lot of listeners are too. Uh, the boat could get there early for the story, uh, but you don't know if Will's coming back on the boat is another true comment. He might just stay out there. You never know. All right. Um, good story bad story time this is where i tell you one story that'll hopefully make you feel like humanity is is worth the world we live in uh give you some some you know uh, reasons to smile and then we we kick you uh because why not that's how the real world actually works uh first the good story an 84 year old is looking to skydive a thousand times uh, this 84-year-old woman in Colorado has gone skydiving 580 times in her life, and she said, got to make it to the cool 1,000. Uh, here she is getting a little bit emotional about some of the history she's already making. I think this story is awesome because I would like to also do this, and I'm at one as far as skydiving attempts that I, or skydiving uh, jumps that I've done, not at 580. Did you ever lay on the ground and just watch birds flying around and watch how they stop and how they go and catch the wind currents and stuff? December 13, 1959, finally made my first jump. It was a long wait, but it was fun. You do it. it. And I was on the first U.S. women's team, and we won the gold. Standing under the American flag and hearing that national anthem. Oh, (laughs) it's a little emotional. I love how she gets a little bit emotional there. Yes, that would be a big deal. I like that you care about the national anthem. I also love the fact that at 84, she's still planning on on almost doubling the amount of jumps that she's had of a plane. Because why not? Darn it. Do it all the time. All right. That's the good story. Uh, now it's time for the bad story. Uh, an arsonist was arrested. And this happened in Australia. The guy's 31 years old. Uh, after allegedly trying to set a small series of fires, he was being searched. Police found... This is weird. This is why this is the kick in the teeth moment. Two live ducklings in his underwear. Two live ducklings. The guy is setting fires. He's getting arrested. He's being searched. I don't know why you didn't know there were ducks on him before you start searching him. The way the story is written, they discovered them and they were alive. I would assume they would be making some sort of noises, but I've never tried to put ducklings in places like that. I don't know why they were there. I don't want to know why they were there. He was handcuffed. The ducklings were released, um, or I think animal uh, cruelty is involved now, too, in this. I don't know exactly what happens next. Four counts of lighting an open-air fire, possessing a weapon, negligence are things that he's charged with, and then, of course, uh, the animal cruelty charge, because that's the weirdest, the weirdest end uh, to that kind of story. I imagine those cops will both talk about and not talk about uh, that experience at times in their life because, again, I really wouldn't want more information. I'd want to make sure the animals were okay, and then I'd probably want to be not in the same place as this dude uh, ever again if I can help it. Uh, Several trash cans, a whole bunch of other things were on fire, real estate agent's office. I don't know why he did that, Uh, but that's all the information I have. They found two live ducklings uh, on this guy in his underwear I said it again, and now I'm going to take a break. A quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 
1470, 100.3 WMBD, the Craig Collins Show. I think Will Stevenson's going to pop in for one more update. And actually, I also just heard from a captain who's, I think, on a, uh, he's described himself as a tug captain on the Illinois River. I heard from Marine Channel 16 uh, that the fire is out, that it was a fire of a crane on a flat barge that somehow ended up in the water, submerged uh, in the navigable channel. A uh, river is closed at mile marker 166, according to this listener, uh, which is the McCluggage Bridge. That's the river part. Uh, radio traffic right now as he's typing. Fire is out. Construction crew is um, uh, in the area. Let's see if Will Stevenson is back and available. Will, are you there? I am here, Craig. Uh at this point, I can tell you we just got word from East Peoria City officials. They're going to have a news briefing pretty much right where I'm at nice. in the area of the Uftering Auto Mall uh, in an hour at 7 o'clock to explain what happened. But I would not discount uh, what uh, some of those who have been texting you have said. I would say I was in the area of a uh, hose that East Peoria Fire had connected up near uh, on the Circle Drive near the Auto Mall that they had ready to go as a precaution. They just disconnected it. So... That's probably another good sign that good. at least the fire for now is right. out. Cool, very uh, good near the luggage bridge. I like the fact that I'm getting texts from a guy that's on a on a, a tugboat or something. Tug captain is what he said. Is that a tugboat? Am I getting that wrong? Can you text me, listener? Will, do you think I'm getting that right? <laughs> No, I think you're probably pretty right at some form of a boat that's uh, probably in that area. Although uh, I've I've never imagined uh, you having listeners on a boat before. <laughs> this is a this is a new thing. I'm just boat listeners, man. That's all I'm going for now. Doing just boat, <laughs> boat topics the rest of the day. As long as they're not yeah. dinghies, you know what yeah. I mean. That's this person says they listen every single day, all the time. Really wanted to share the information. And yes, I do not want a dinghy. Um, that is a sentence I never thought I'd say. Well, thank you, you for well. all your hard work. Yeah. Um, and you all, bet. Yeah. Um, and we'll uh, have some updates on our newscast throughout the night. And again, that news conference uh, with East Peoria officials at seven o'clock. Sweet. And maybe you can find this person on their uh, tugboat. They're moving barge and jump on with them. He can get you to well, right where it is, right to the I'm spot. Not sure. yeah, sorry. I'm uh, not really anywhere near a boat dock, right. but uh, I'm, and I'm saving... not sure that uh, the bosses want yeah. the jeep and the water. That's true. So, I'm, I'm saving you know. this listener's number though. If we ever have another uh, like river-related thing, we're going to ask him for an assist. We'll see what happens. Yeah, at least a buoy or something that <laughs> yeah, we can use. Yeah, I don't something. know. All right, thank you, Will. Official Good job. Official Craig Collins Show buoy. Oh, that sounds amazing. It's got a certain it ring it, to it. though? <laughs> and not as amazing as you think, though. <laughs> not until we try it. All right, thank you, buddy. Good Talk point. to you later. You bet. Uh-huh. All right, that's Will Stevenson uh, getting as close to uh, the fire that was near the McCluggage Bridge, uh, which appears to have been on a um, on a barge, uh, a welding barge, I think is what some of the description out there has been. Uh, it appears as though the fire is out, according to uh, the uh, broadcast that's going over Channel 16, USCG Talk, uh, which is uh, a radio frequency that um, a listener was listening to while also piloting their own boat on the river. This, You know, this is why radio is awesome. I, I had other topics I was going to talk about, but I want to rant for a second about how awesome you are, the listeners, the human beings, the people uh, who pay attention to this. 309-340-4464 is the number to text me at, 309-340-4464. I'm sitting in here like a moron an hour ago, and there's a fire behind me, but my window's closed. I can't see it. And I know the newsroom is trying to report on stuff, and it's not 
easy to communicate with me while I'm on the air so they can't uh, get all that information to me. And so I learned with the news when we were talking about it right at the, uh, what would that been, 430 News, there's a fire outside the window. And I look outside and I go, oh, that's terrible. That looks bad. And all the information that I've gained in the last hour and a half uh, from, of course, our newsroom and the reporting they've done has also come a lot from you, the listeners, who kept sending in information, photos, all kinds of stuff. And so thank you. Uh, that's what makes this such an awesome uh, experience to be on the radio and to be talking to you, uh, and especially now from the, the person on a boat on the river in the area uh, who's able to give me more insight and information. It is, it's why this is the best medium. The, the be- this is the best. No, nobody does this the way we do this. And so thank you for that to all the listeners who help keep me informed, uh, of, as I'm trying to inform everyone else, uh, who's not on a boat in a situation, uh, near where that fire in the McCluggage Bridge, uh, was going on. All right. Some other things just quickly before I get out of here. Um, Jennifer Aniston said that she's over cancel culture. I thought this was interesting as far as remarks go. I think she's on the cover of Wall Street Journal magazine. And so somehow they got to talking about cancel culture. And she said that there, uh, this is a question, is there no redemption? I don't know. I don't put everybody in the Harvey Weinstein basket, meaning that all people who did something bad, whatever it is that got them canceled, whoever they are, man, woman, I don't know. Uh, they're probably not all as egregiously horrible as the stuff that was going on that wound up being the beginning of the Me Too movement or, or whatever else, the Harvey Weinstein uh, stuff. And so Aniston is saying that, you know, that there's a lot of people uh, that really didn't deserve to have uh, their careers as destroyed as, as that deserving person is. Uh, she also said that she never really got to know Harvey, but she didn't like being around that guy uh, when she focused more on him. Uh, but she never worked directly with him or something, I think she said. What I thought was most interesting about this statement, and she said she thought she was going to be canceled for saying it, is that cancel culture is bad and needs to go away because it's really not human, uh, more or less, is the way that um, I think she's starting to describe it. Like, there is no redemption. There are no um, ways to evaluate what is and isn't you know, too much or too far, and, and if uh, the legal system is involved or not involved. And so I thought that was a really interesting position to take on it because I wholeheartedly agree. I think most people agree that cancel culture has a certain level of, of um, stupidity uh, to it, and yet people who really did horrible things uh, would probably be, quote-unquote, canceled anyway because uh, you go to jail and stuff. You, you wind up in situations where you can't really be a contributor anymore. So I think that that's probably what she means by uh, there are people that, that are more deserving than others of human forgiveness uh, or whatever you want to call it. I don't, I don't even know what you call it. And also it's it feels a lot... I'll just say this and then I'll move on to other things. It feels a lot like what they they say where you're throwing stones at a glass house. Um, People who aren't well-known and don't wind up getting canceled uh, probably are not people who are living uh, perfect lives and have never done anything wrong. And certainly I'm not saying that everyone's done things as bad as as horrible people. Uh, That's not the point that I think Jennifer Aniston or I am trying to make. And I love the fact that I just said that sentence. Jennifer Aniston and I are in agreement on something, uh, but it, it's actually the truth that, you know, uh, some things that some people get in trouble for or, or, you know, takes they had on social media, for example, uh, that they might even regret, but they put up at some point when they were younger and that winds up impacting or taking away a, a profession that seems a little, that seems a little insane, especially since there's a whole lot of other people out there who've probably said some terrible stuff and aren't in trouble for it. Whoever you are, whatever it might be. I don't know, but I did find that interesting. Uh, some other things out there just quickly, uh, before we get out of here. 
Um, I guess there is a way to bet on what Donald Trump will weigh uh, when he shows up to be arraigned in uh, Fulton County. Uh, it's over under 273.5 pounds. Uh, there is bet online as one of the sites that's doing this. This is a weird thing to bet on. But what the, the weight weighing in will be on uh, Thursday um, for the uh, former president or on Friday, um, <laughs> I got nothing else to say other than that's a thing that exists and it's out there in the world. If you want to try to make some money on it, I guess people are betting the over uh, is the one more likely uh, than the under uh, for uh, what Vegas thinks right now. And then a couple a couple other things, uh, and then I real, really will actually get out of here. I saw this. Um, this was like a self-help thing. Someone wrote into one of those Dear Abbeys or whatever and said that her husband and, and her uh, don't tell each other what they make. So neither one of them knows the income of the other person in the relationship. And obviously they, they, um, keep their expenses, their, uh, you know, spending fairly separate from each other. They have four children together. Um, and for some reason they said that this is better for them, uh, that they just keep the, the air of not knowing. I know you don't talk about what you make in like a workplace. I know it's not something a lot of people bring up like, oh, I make this and I make that. But if your wife doesn't know or if your husband doesn't know what you're making, there's gotta be a reason why. I feel like only one person in that relationship would have had this idea, not both. And the person who threw the idea out there is making more money, uh, whoever they are. Uh, but the the advice thing, the request was, should that policy be ended? Should we tell each other uh, what we make, especially as they have ups and downs in the world of their like financial lives? Uh, yes, is the answer. I'll go ahead and help out with that. Yeah, you should tell somebody you're married to and you have four children with how much money you're making or thereabouts. I mean, just about. Come on, I, that's crazy to me. I can't believe it's been going on for that long. They had, I had a bank account that had nothing in it at one point. Um, and yeah, I, that just seems utterly crazy. Uh, but tell me if you think that's wrong too. 309 340 4464. Weigh in, even as I get out of here. Uh, but I'm out of here. Uh, Dave Ramsey is coming up next.